Hello, and welcome to the Stink Space Podcast. Before we get started, we wanted to have a quick word about our sponsor. Now, dear Stank Babies, let's roll right into the Stank Space Podcast. Welcome to episode 8 of the Stank Space Podcast. In this episode, we talk about a true crime story that involves alcohol and reckless driving. We also have a spooky story from Reddit about a haunted campsite. In this episode, we may speak about some things that you may be offended by. And this episode is not for kids. So kids, cover your ears now. 10,874 people were claimed by today's killer. But today's killer is only human in the manifestation of our ignorance. So buckle up for it because we're on the highway to hell up here in Stank Space. We are recording now. So, hi guys, it's me, Jill. Nick's here. We're actually using Skype this time. We can see each other's faces. It's wicked as heck. And check out this mic quality my dudes dude it's what up wicked all there is some problems though there's a weird buzzing sound i don't know if you guys can hear it hopefully not <laughs> but um it's just because of nick's computer we have a lot of bees and, we yeah, have an insane amount of bees there's they're just bees everywhere dude yeah giant bees <laughs> <laughs> no but um we got nick a new headset with a nice mic on there we're still working on getting um Mm-mm-mm. his blue yeti mic all set up dude yeah it's gonna be wicked um then i'll be able to do asmr with it dude, dude yeah <sighs> no i'm kidding <laughs> um but i mean we have so many plans coming along so much stuff going on we're getting like with sponsors through anchor with the support from you guys monetarily if you feel yes of course like we have so much plan we're going to be building nick a pc we're going to be you know getting Mm. each other like in each other's freaking houses paying for gas so we can (laughs) sit down on a couch together and actually talk like humans or something it's gonna be dope (laughs) it's gonna be dope gonna be awesome dude it's so cool so just a reminder just a reminder that uh you can find our podcasts on like pretty much every site now because anchor is so dope as you heard in our ad um but just the main ones are anchor obviously spotify uh pocket cast google Podcasts, all that cool stuff um all you got to do is search our name stank space and it comes up and hey look if you want to be a real member of the stank baby army you listen to us on Spotify, you listen to us on Anchor, so we can get that ad money. Because once we have enough, we're going to go to Taco Bell. And we're going to buy Taco Bell with our ad money so that we can eat Taco Bell with we're you guys. We're going to have a podcast at Taco Bell. That's what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> Live podcast at T-Bell. they got to sponsor us. They're going to pay us a lot of money. Um, mostly the money will just be in quesadilla. <laughs> like they can just pay us in quesadilla or other foods, but quesadilla is where it's at, you know? We are not sponsored by Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not sponsored by Taco Bell. But soon we will be, and then our blood will be Baja Blast. Yes. I'm here We're going to transfuse our, our blood with Baja Blast. So speaking of blood, that's what this today's uh, big uh, 
murder thing is um is it's kind of surrounding because the toxicology that was done in this case was so overly redundant that it angered me <laughs> it angered me learning about this so uh to start off i do want to take the time to let everyone know that my tellings of these stories from now on are going to be uh layered and told a little differently um as fun as fun as it has been to take facts and mash them with my own knowledge in order to tell you the real life horror stories that fascinate me i've started to feel like i can do a little better of a job and do it a little more justice you know so i felt like i was rushing and trying to cram as much info as possible uh about stuff instead of talking naturally and letting things flow so we're a new podcast but we're growing and learning as we charge headfirst into cyberspace bro cyberspace um, I also want to thank my friend from work, Jacob. He uh, has been super dope. He helped me get that Blue Yeti mic that we're setting up, um, and it's going to be super high quality, so it makes him an honorary. Stank, baby. You just cut out. What's happening? Huh? Oh, no, I don't... Now I can hear you. Oh, okay. Well, adjust cool. Adjust your mic just a little bit. Try that. Oh? Better? Up a little? Up a little? I just leave it. <laughs> okay. We love this. We love having tech problems because we're just gonna we're cut. Ju- we're fuck- we're learning, dog. We're learning. Yeah, we're just we're gonna say we're gonna edit that out, and then we're probably not gonna edit that Tr- out. Probably. I mean, <laughs> because um, now we're talking about editing out, and they're gonna be like, editing out what? Who knows? But now you know because you listen to it. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little insider knowledge because we don't feel like editing. <laughs> um, so. What I said before I got cut off, I was just saying uh, thank you, Jacob, at work for helping me out with this dope mic. Once it's all set up and we get to use it, it's going to be hella rad. Um, but yeah, um, I hope you guys dig it, and I hope that what we're doing is an overall improvement to how we've been doing the episodes lately. And uh, I love, we love and appreciate all the support we've been given so far. And uh, with that, let's just jump right into it, dude. What's Hi, that? Philip Ar- DeFranco, how are yeah. you? Our 19th <laughs> shout out to Philip DeFranco. Dude. Oh we love God. you. We love you, Philly D. We oh, love you. Philip, don't sue us, but like, let's jump right into this. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and unlike Philly D, or very like Philly D, I guess, we like to talk to our listeners. And uh, one of our listeners and um, a beautiful, beautiful person, uh, Lexi, commented on our Facebook about this case. She said she wanted to hear us talk about it. It's pretty big. Um, it's not a legendary tier story in true crime uh, mythology, um, but still, it's one of high regard. Uh, the true crime community is super interested in it, mainly because um, there's a big, huge documentary that was like recent. It's called Something is Wrong with Aunt Diane, and it's the story of Diane Schuler. And while her story is unique, it isn't one of mystery by any means. It's very clear, at least to me and many others, that this is a story with a very clear um, and obvious reason as to why it happened. It's a uh, story remis- reminiscent of what school cops would tell us back in the day during the terror program. <laughs> um, what mostly stands out to me is that Diane Schuler herself is the type of person that gives us all something we can connect with on a human level. Mm-hmm. She, she, and as a resulting consequence, it, she ends up giving us a tragedy and uh, that tragedy spawned the very excellent HBO documentary. Um, 
again, it's called Something is Wrong with Aunt Diane. Um, it's a story uh, that's been hidden behind a family who refuses to accept the truth. Um, a, a tragedy worth looking at, and we're going to start by looking at Diane Schuler specifically. Okay. Um, and that's her backstory. Uh, okay. So, Diane Schuler grew up about 20 miles away from where she would eventually die. Um, she was the only girl of four siblings. She's not a serial killer, but like many of the ones we've discussed, she did have a triggering moment when she was young that probably led to the mental issues she faced later on in her life. Okay. And that moment was when her mother... Um, Hold up. We froze. Um, we froze for a second, and we're back on again. Though that was a All real right. freeze. That, that wasn't like that was like a real freeze there. Oh yeah, the real freeze. I can see the frost. The frost on my PC is accumulating. Dude, dude I'm. <laughs> it's right. snowing so, in my living room right now, bro. <laughs> dude, my air conditioner <laughs> is up way too high. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, so, so yeah, her mom did uh, what? Her mom ran away with their neighbor when she was super young. Um, and obviously that's enough to kind of fuck with anybody. So in the documentary, which I got a lot of this information from, uh, Diane's mother situation is treated almost like a family legend. Like literally everyone involved in the documentary either doesn't have any information about Diane's mom, or so they say. Okay. Um, or they they do like they're like oh yeah I know but I'm not gonna say it due to like it seems like they don't want to disrespect the family and when there's big families like that um, that's kind of like my family's huge and very close knit and we have you know arguments and problems but we don't voice that to outer people like that's just always been my thing like the family takes care of their shit yeah in, internally um, but the almost everybody involved in the documentary they they either don't want to say anything or they don't know anything um, the okay. problem is that Diane herself was such a private person mm -hmm. that a lot of her past is cleaned up and made to look nice yeah. because one of her things is that she never wanted to give uh, even the slightest illusion of weakness yeah um, it's also clear that everyone close to Diane respected and loved her dearly mm -hmm. that's something very important that I wanted to note right off the bat is that even though I think this family is fucking crazy yeah they are crazy for I feel a good reason which is that they loved this woman who was a she fucked up real bad mm -hmm. but by all accounts she was a good person mm -hmm. and she took care of a lot of people she was like the mom of everybody okay. so you can you can tell right away Everyone except her husband, who I don't like, and we'll find out why. Uh, <laughs> everybody is severely impacted. Even friends that hadn't spoken to her in like 10 years mm -hmm. are like very, very down about how the situation went down. Um, her friends all say that she was the class clown in the life of the party. Um, in high school, she won a lot of yearbook awards. Um, okay. Specifically stuff like most fun or like the loudest. <laughs> Uh, she was popular and it showed, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. But she was also incredibly responsible for her age. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where, what I was talking about earlier, where this, the, the same triggering events that happened with serial killers, like she could have gone a very different way and she could have become a serial killer because of 
the shit she had to go through, which is uh, after her mom left, Diane single-handedly took on the role as mother. She became the caregiver for her entire family. And it's talked about in the documentary that Diane started doing laundry, dishes, ironing, cooking, and cleaning, and plus, for her four brothers and her father, who were all older than her, and she was only six years old. She, she was six years old when her mom left, and she started basically becoming the mom. That's um, crazy. Yeah. In my opinion, this is probably what led to her, uh, she had like a controlling personality, mm-hmm. um, you also find out that she had a lot of secrets, like she was very secretive, and she had, like I said, this masquerade of perfection that she danced around in. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, Diane meets her first boyfriend, and one of the main people in the documentary, Danny. And I fucking hate Danny. <laughs> I'm sure he's a, he's a great man, no disrespect to him and the tragedy that literally his life has become, but you'll just... You'll understand why. I don't really hate the man. I just I dislike him. He okay. just seems like a real fucking yeah. You know. Yeah. And by uh, the way, if your name is Danny, it's not you, bro. bro. No, like, no. If your name's Dan, <laughs> if your name's Danny, I hate you because of this one Danny. This one Danny has ruled, ruined all Dannys for me. So, I don't know. Dannys of the world, get onto it. Find this dude. Ship him. Ship him up to shape, dude. If your name um, is Danny, leave a comment and say that you love Nick, so then maybe he'll change his mind. Yes, and also don't really form an army of Dannys and go find this one Danny and, and be mean to him. Don't harass anybody, dude. What's your You're- name, Danny? What's your name, Danny? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no Mortal Kombat-style fights between the Dannys of the world, as hilarious as that would be. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Diane meets Danny. Um it's her boyfriend. They fall in love hard and fast, and Diane seizes the opportunity to make Danny her man by getting married. So her okay. first boyfriend, they get married right off the bat. Um, Danny is, by all accounts, a lazy fuck. Oh. <laughs> That's what I wrote in my notes. Um, oh. Even his own mother in the documentary says that Danny is basically useless. Okay. Um, Diane also really excels in her career and she works her way up to a six-figure salary as director of yeah that's hundo thous bro hundo thous bro we're talking mega money um every year so as director she 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 does all this as the director of credit billing and collections at a place called cable vision media and then i put in parentheses not a sponsor because they don't sponsor us but they should dude um but this makes her the main breadwinner of the household, so you know how that shit goes. Uh, all of her coworkers say that she was the type of person to go the extra mile at work. Um, she was always involved in party planning and other extra things like people's birthdays. She would remember, um, like how to, to get everyone Christmas presents and shit like that. She was just like the you know the best person at work. Um, People in the documentary mention over and over again that they aren't sure how she was able to take on so much and get it all done, but that she did, she always did it anyway. Mm-hmm. She was never, she never fucked up. Um, okay. So she's got this, not only does she portray this outward image of perfection, she lives it. She always strives to do the best and either very rarely or not at all did she um, make mistakes, which is dope. She sounds like a great person. Yeah. Um, a regular day for Diane would be to work from 8 to 5, so 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. She would come home, make dinner, get her two kids in the bath and then into bed, 
Danny, the husband, goes to work because he works third shifts. Mm-hmm. And then instead of going to bed herself, um, she cleans the house, does all the chores, um, gets everything done and taken care of, and then she'll go to bed and then she'll wake up and she'll do it over and over and over again, like every day. Yeah. So it seems like her state of normalcy um, since she was six years old is to be cleaning up and taking care of other people. Yeah. Um, and if she's not in that state of normalcy and perfection that she portrays, I I don't want to put words in people's mouths because it's not really talked about specifically, but like from what I know, this seems very similar to OCD. Yeah. She portrays OCD habits, and when you don't do those habits or you can't do those things, the effects that they can have on you, especially over an extended period of time, it can make you super anxious and super paranoid. Mm-hmm. Like I, I clean my car every week. If there's a week that goes by where I don't clean my car, I, I do get like anxiety about it, even if it's mm-hmm. totally clean anyway. If it's just become such a habit, like that's what I do. Yeah. But uh, so when all of this stuff goes down, they're actually coming back from a camping trip. Um, so that's why I think because her schedule is thrown off, that may have put her in a state of anxiety too. But we'll talk about okay. that in a little bit. Um, yeah. One of the things they do talk about in the documentary is that Diane had a lot of tooth pain going on at the time. Okay. But even then, people weren't really keyed into it because she never talked about what was going on with her if it was negative. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but people did uh, see her holding her jaw a lot. And that's even reported by witnesses uh, surrounding the time of the incident is that she was holding her jaw a lot and maybe kind of complaining, a little bit of complaining, but like not keying into that it was as bad as it was. I think in the documentary they talk about she was at the dentist like all the time uh, to get like her teeth removed and stuff, but she was so fidgety and in so much pain that even with the medication they were giving her to do, like pull the teeth, she got up in the middle of a treatment, like of having her teeth cleaned, I think. That's how painful it was in her mouth. She was just having her teeth cleaned, and it was so painful that she got up and left the dentist in the middle of having her teeth cleaned. Mm-hmm. So she, she couldn't even finish it. So that's why it was taking so long to get her mouth fixed. Um, yeah. So uh, she mentioned, So like I said, they said that she maybe mentioned it once or twice, but that she wasn't ever a complainer, and no one really considered it as bad as it was. Um, yeah. Her best friend says that she wouldn't even talk about her marriage. Or really anything that could be bothering her. Like at all. She never complained. Diane was a master at keeping things locked up. Her family does admit that they know Diane smoked pot on occasion. But they're weird as fuck when they talk about it. Um, Probably because the area they're in, pot is still illegal. Um, The weirdness probably also comes from the fact that back then, at the time this happened, pot was looked at more harshly than it is now. Um, um, and since she was so successful, it's um, almost talk. It's almost like in the documentary that it, talking about her weed use would somehow like soil her name or uh, make her look bad. And that's obviously what they don't want to do. Um, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was that it's very clear that there are times in the documentary where her husband Danny is obviously uncomfortable or lying or being deceptive. Mm-hmm. He does a he does a lot of the telltale signs of being deceptive. Um, without spoiling things for any of you guys, 
I'll just say that there are times when Danny is looking away from the camera at the start of his sentences, but then he ends them by looking into the camera. Being a crime junkie, and if you're any of you are a true crime junkie, you've watched a lot of true crime documentaries. As I've watched as many as I can get my hands on, uh, and I watch them over and over again. I've watched interview tapes with killers and criminals, and I used to be obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and uh, I remember like testing how to see if my, how to see if someone's lying. I got so into that and read so many books and stuff that I would do it to my mom and then I would call her out on lying and she would get mad at me and like send me to my room. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so I have a, I don't know, I just have a good inclination of when people are being deceptive. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a superhero or anything, but, um, so I'm just very good at being able to tell when someone's being shifty and danny absolutely reeks of shifty shit okay (laughs) um i give an example here in my notes it says for example you can see danny talk in press conferences and tv interviews where he swears up and down that he never saw diane drink a day in his life but he can't look at the person uh he's talking to in the eye when he says it and that's probably because he's uh, because it's a lie. He doesn't he even avoids eye contact with the camera. If you um, if you dive deep enough into Reddit archives, you can find stories circulated about a friend of Diane's named Sheila. Okay. I believe they mention her briefly in the documentary, but it's one of the things that they didn't go into, and I think they should have. Yeah. Um, long story short, Sheila was a work buddy who would regularly go out to regularly go out to bars. <laughs> with Diane after work. Uh Um, Diane would drink and unload her problems on Sheila, a rare occasion where Diane would let the walls down um, that she had spent her whole life building up. Mm -hmm. And what do you think was one of the main things she would complain about? Her teeth? Jillian. Her marriage. Her marriage. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Another huge piece of evidence from the Sheila Barr stories are that Diane always stuck to drinking screwdrivers, which, in case you don't know, is a mixed drink that's basically just vodka and orange juice mm-hmm. and I want you guys to keep that in mind for later all of the Sheila stories are basically hearsay um, probably to keep identities protected because of where they worked and stuff you don't want to be like oh this lady was gossiping about this story and she's at our company blah 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 but um, with everything that happens in this story mm-hmm. uh, in the documentary the Sheila stuff makes sense so I'm willing to consider it as more than just a rumor you know okay. I take it at face value. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we're going to talk about the accident and the lead up to it. So I hope you're ready for that. Okay, I'm here for it. Sorry about my yawning. Uh, <laughs> I'm not bored. I literally, I yawn all the time. Plus, it's kind of dark in here. And... Yeah, so she's, su- she's super tired because she works so hard on this podcast. So <laughs> don't, don't give her any shit, you guys. Um, now we are going to talk about the accident and the lead up to it. That's what I just said. Can you tell I'm reading from notes? Yeah. Uh, Danny says in the documentary that they had a great weekend at Hunter Lake Campground, uh, and that was during the weekend leading up to the accident. Mm-hmm. An interesting fact that backs up my shitty Danny hunch is that even after everything happened, he was interviewed by police and he lies. Like, he flat out fucking lies. He tells them that he got to the campgrounds on Thursday an entire day before Diane and the kids did because they traveled in separate vehicles. Diane is using her brother's red van to haul herself, her two children, and her brother's three kids. But in reality, Danny got there on Friday about five hours before Diane did. 
Okay. That doesn't necessarily prove anything, but it does establish that he's willing and able to lie about even the smallest details of the story. Yeah, like, what, there's no reason to lie about that, so he's just lying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in my eyes, his credibility is ruined, not just by this lie, but by the other lies and weird shit he says and does throughout the documentary. Mm-hmm. It's probably just a bias on my end, um, probably. But since this is just me taking a look at something that's already established, I feel comfortable allowing my opinions on Danny um, to help me form hypothesis about certain things. Okay. Hypotheses? Hypothesis? Hypothesis. Hypotheses, actually. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> I know what happened to him is uh, devastating, though. You know, like, I'm not going to choose to basically be less human and more robot. I'm taking all things into consideration and staring at everyone involved under as big of a magnifying glass as I can. And so in other words, it's hard to back up the guy who consistently gives me reason to call him out for being such a fuck. And it's simple as that. Mm -hmm. He's obviously not guilty. He didn't cause any of it. But the things he's doing with this documentary and just not accepting the truth Mm -hmm. is annoying because it's not just him that's affected. There are other families of people that died don't want to keep seeing this shit in the media, you know? Yeah. Um, so anyways, Danny says that the morning of the accident was normal as can be. They clean up the campground they stay at, wake the kids up, do some small stuff, and then start to head back home. The woman who worked at the campgrounds at the gate, uh, she specifically says that she saw Diane and talked to her before they left. It was around 9.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. Diane seemed perfectly sober and perfectly normal. And then at 9.56, Diane arrives with the kids at McDonald's. So they leave at 9.30. The lady at the front of the campground says she doesn't seem like she was under the influence of anything. She seemed perfectly fine. They had a small conversation. Um, And then at 9.56, we do have video footage of Diane arriving with the kids at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. In that video, she seems completely normal and completely sober. Right. The employees there all said that she was fine. Um, but one of the things not really mentioned was that Diane sent the kids to the play place area that was outside Mm -hmm. and then brought them food and they stayed there and kicked it for a while. Um, that in and of itself is weird because they're on a time schedule, you know, Mm -hmm. um, the kids have to be home at a certain time for play practice and the drive, the drive is only about an hour yet. They stayed at McDonald's for almost an hour anyway. So not necessarily a big deal but for someone who is a control freak with these OCD like tendencies timing and scheduling is important so it's a little weird that they didn't just go through the drive through and then keep on their merry way you've got four kids like five kids with you yeah Um, why would you I don't know it just seems like a lot to take on Um, I mean um, would you do that would you you yourself in a minivan you go to McDonald's you put the five kids at a play place outside and order food for them while you while you only have an hour to get to where you need to go um well I'm uh, of course I'm not her so I I don't know exactly how her mind works but for me if I'm on vacation right if I'm just like chilling and I'm on vacation I'm not gonna get dude if you're a couple minutes, like, 30 minutes late for a play practice, that's just going to ha- be how it's be. It's vacation. Like, you could tell them we were on vacation, we're going to be late. Like, that's it. Like, easy, yeah. easy. Give them a call. I you feel know? It. Yeah, I feel that. 
But that's just uh, me. I don't know if she was like in a weird mind space. If she was like, she was like, something was going on in her head, and she was like, I just need some time to be out of that car, you know, or something like that. It could, yeah, it could be. That could be it too, for real. Um, there's a lot of theories that this she did all of this stuff that she's going to do that she did it intentionally. So we'll talk about that as well. Okay. Um, but as far as like the reason it's weird to me is that she's like this perfect person, right? She puts out this portrayal of being always on time, always correct, always right. And instead she's, they only have an hour to get there, yet they stay almost an hour at this McDonald's. Um, Okay, so, it's a reason, um, she isn't seen playing with the kids outside on the play area. Um, So they're just playing and she's at the van a lot or going back and forth getting food and bringing it out. What's even more important to note is that she buys, the only thing she buys for herself is an extra large orange juice. Um, yeah, see, there that comes back into play because, as we later discover, Diane had a big-ass bottle of vodka in the car. Was this big-ass bottle of vodka half empty or some shit? It was completely empty when they found it, but because it was a, a car accident, they couldn't really tell if it broke in the crash. It could have been full. And broken the crash and emptied, but from the fact that she had so much in, you find out later that she has all this booze in her system. Yeah. Uh, and it is vodka that she has in her system, mm-hmm. and she's ordering these big ass orange juices and her favorite drink, that she's going back and forth to this van consistently for. Her favorite drink is a screwdriver, which is vodka and orange juice. Yeah. Um, and if she's having tooth pain, which she was complaining about on the camping trip, slightly which is why people remember it, mm-hmm. um, maybe she was trying to self-medicate, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so at 10.46, uh, Diane stops again at a gas station. She goes inside and asks for over-counter headache medicine, but they don't have any, so she leaves with nothing. The documentary shows surveillance video from this place too, and while she seems normal walking, you can see as they pull out of the, of the parking lot, it's like a teenager driving some kind of souped-up fucking Honda Civic or something. Okay. She's like, she's in a minivan, so she's zipping around in a tank. Um, at 11.37, Diane calls her niece's mother, Jackie Hands, to let them know that they're running late. And then at 12 o'clock, people begin to start seeing the van drive erratically. Um, in the documentary, multiple witnesses say that she got so close to them on the highway that they had to honk at her or swerve out of the way. And she even ends up bumping into another car because she was tailgating so bad. Mm-hmm. Pe- people also see her pull off at a rest area, get out of the van, and start yakking like Big Stank after mm-hmm. three, four loco cat stands at a frat party disco competition. Dude, okay. yeah. I'm telling you, this lady is throwing up and then even later is still found with booze in her system. So I'm, I'm thinking she's drinking out of this bottle. Yeah. Um, she didn't just do this once, though. She does it twice. She's reported, she's seen throwing up at two different rest stops. She's seen, um, but nobody stops her? Nobody. No, nobody does. People are calling the police to report that this lady's being wild, but because she's driving on a highway and she's stopping at different rest stops, it's hard to pinpoint where she's at, right? Yeah. Um, the beauty in this is that there are so many witnesses to her crazy behavior that it can actually be believed. A lot of the time, witness testimony is actually pretty shit. Our yeah. brains fill in a lot of gaps and compensate for a lot, especially under stress. Mm-hmm. But so many people have 
such similar stories. Expect <laughs> like in this documentary, there are a lot. They play a lot of phone calls um, to the police while it's happening, um, so that it paints this accurate picture of what was happening. They describe her as aggressive, not out of control, but focused and aggressive, mm-hmm. like swerving, swerving around traffic and flying at high high speeds on the Taconic State Parkway. So at 12.55, Diane dials a wrong number. Um, then at 1, she calls Jackie Hands back and sounds super fucked up. Uh, this is two hours after McDonald's, so if she was drinking, which she definitely was, mm-hmm. that's, an, that's an adequate time to progress into getting tossed, you know? Yeah. So you chug a bunch of vodka in two hours, you're going to be fucked up. Yeah. So Diane hangs up. Jackie tells her husband, Diane's brother, uh, his name is Warren Hands, about the weirdness, and he calls Diane back. He says that she didn't sound like herself and that she called him Danny, which is her husband's name, and that he could hear the kids crying in the background. Mm. At this point, they're actually pulled over at the side of the road. The oldest niece gets on the phone with Warren, so his oldest daughter, and he says the famous line, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Um, And then she goes on to explain that she thinks Aunt Diane can't see. So Diane rips the phone. Oh, and when you hear her say this on the documentary, it'll give you chills. That these are the la- these were the, the last words that these parents heard from this little girl. Um, Diane rips the phone from her niece's hand, like they can hear her like wrestling the phone out of her niece's hand, and then she's like drunkenly trying to explain that quote they're just being silly. Um, obviously, this isn't true. Diane's perfect wall is crumbling, and she's trying to keep the cover up while under the influence, and that you're not very good at covering up when you're right. drunk. Right. Uh, Warren is able to help the girls figure out uh, where they are by asking them uh, about road signs, and then he tells them to stay where they are. He's heading there to get them. At 1.10, someone dials three wrong numbers on Diane's phone, and then at 1.15, Diane leaves her phone on a guide rail by the bridge there near near called the Tepenzi Bridge. Mm-hmm. Some people think it was an accident, and some people think she left it there on purpose. The phone was found three days later by a random driver who found it, um, he opens it, sees that it's that, like he maybe he charged it or something, but he was going to see whose it was so he could call them and let them know. Um, he's able to see from the background, I think, that it's Diane because um, her face is plastered all over the news and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so he calls the police to come get it. And that's why we have such an accurate timestamp of all of these events and the calls and all that. Yeah. Um, like those three wrong numbers that were called were probably the kids trying to call. And not remembering the number because they were so scared. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I would think. I'm horrible at remembering numbers, period. Yeah. So I, I have to have everything written down, especially when I was a little kid. I'd have to have everything written down um, and like a little note in my backpack. Yeah. Um, but anyways, after Diane leaves the phone and takes all the kids again, both the Hans family and the Schuler family, which is Diane's family, are trying to coordinate and find the van. They call 911. They try to track the phone using the phone company. They drive up and down the parkway trying to find the van. And it's at this point in the documentary where you get to hear a lot of one of my true favorite, uh, one of my favorite true crime things, uh, which are 911 calls. Uh, They terrify me, but in a way that's like, I don't know, there's just something about hearing someone calling the police. Like, it's chilling and frantic and emotional and terrifying. Yeah. because at this point, witnesses start to see Diane coming onto the ramp going south in the northbound lanes. Oh. So she's driving the wrong way on the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and she ultimately ends up driving towards oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. 
the 911 calls start pouring in, thank God for cell phones, right? Um, could you imagine if this was at a time where there were no cell phones? I, no. Only, it'd be terrifying. Right. It would be so bad. Um, the 911 calls start pouring in. Uh, witnesses say she was going about 70 miles an hour, and she wasn't swerving out of the way. She was gunning it, and all of the other cars had to get out of the way. Um, her face, people say that her face seemed calm, um, especially, and that they thought it was weird that she wasn't trying to dodge any oncoming vehicles. And what's kind of mind-blowing is that she did this for almost two miles. It was 1.7 miles of just gunning it towards oncoming traffic. Um, this has led to a lot of speculation that Diane was actually trying to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of THC that they found in her system was a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, like I said, they believe that she could have gotten high anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour before. I think that she was probably smoking to calm down from all the throwing up she was doing. Yeah. Um, I want to say right now that I don't condone any type of being under the influence while you're driving. Yeah. Um, you want to do whatever while it's you, that's fine. But if you're in a vehicle, you're putting everyone else's life in danger too. So don't be the asshole that gets in the car under the influence of anything. Like obviously an emergency situation is an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. But if you have the ability to not be driving while you're under the influence, do not drive. Mm-hmm. Do not drive. And another thing, if you are driving, let's say you only have two beers, you're driving, you feel fine, but then in the middle of driving you start to feel wonky, if you pull over, take your fucking keys out of the ignition. Because even if you're pulled over, doing the right thing, sleeping it off, if your keys are in the ignition, the cops will give you a ticket. Mm-hmm. Because they have to assume you were driving or going to drive while in, under the influence. Yeah. So just a little help for all my party bros out there. Remember to take your keys out of the ignition when you're doing the right thing. Do the right thing and avoid the ticket, bro. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, after going almost two miles in the wrong direction, she eventually hits the Bastardi family's vehicle in a head-on collision. Both vehicles go off the side of the road before the van catches on fire. I wish I could say that the victim count was lower than it is because Diane left the kids at the bridge, but she didn't leave the kids at the bridge. All five of them were in the van. Volunteers are able to pull the kids out of the van before it's engulfed in flames, but all of them are dead except for one. Diane's son Brian is responsive, and it's largely due to the fact that he was underneath the other kids, so their bodies acted as a shield during the crash. Oh I don't, I don't know if it was because that that was just the way they were tossed, and he was positioned properly to be protected. Part of me thinks that, part of me wants to think and believe that these kids were holding each other. And that's what it really seems like, that they were hugging each other while this lady was going 70 miles per hour and there were cars zooming all around them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably what saved him. Mm-hmm. Um, not probably, that's definitely what saved him. Because at the end of it all, Diane kills eight people. Michael Bastardi is 81 years old. Guy Bastardi is 49. Daniel Longo, um, who was in the car with the Bastardis, was 74. Diane kills herself. Uh, her two-year-old daughter, Erin. Uh, Kate Hands, which is their five-year-old niece. Allison Hands, which is her seven-year-old niece. And Emma Hands, who is her eight-year-old niece. Brian is only five years old, and he has bad damage to his eye because of the accident. He's, but he, um, he's able to describe that, quote, mommy's head hurt and she couldn't see. He insists that this is all he knows, 
um, it's really hard to trauma uh, to question a toddler or a yeah, child, right. let alone a, a severely traumatized one like he was. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people say that this could mean that Diane had a migraine, which is another um, thing. Yeah. Uh, again, it's possible, and it doesn't mean that Diane could have been self-medicating because of it. Like that, it probably you know, oh, that's the explanation for smoking, whatever. Um, but it isn't really explored, and it doesn't need to be. I don't want to give much more of the surrounding story details away because the documentary is really interesting and really worth the watch. So I'm just going to wrap up by Max, talking about. Sorry. To no. me, oh, you're okay. I just want to wrap. Jillian's cat Max is a crackhead. He runs around like a psychopath. He attacks people's feet. He's like a carpet shark. Uh, it's pretty amazing, though. He's a real cutie. So we're just taking a brief intermission while she wrangles the beast. It sounds like a giant fight is ensuing. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And my cat was like boof or something. I don't know what he was doing. Oh, yes. I explained the entire situation. No worries. Okay. <laughs> um, so the one thing I do want to make sure I talk about is that um, the very simple fact of the matter at hand is that Diane's autopsy, which there were two, performed both at the time of death and then later on one was one was performed by the documentary crew. Mm-hmm. Um, it reveals that she had about 10 shots of vodka in her system. Her blood alcohol level was a 0.19. The legal limit is 0.8. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, the blood tests also indicate a strong amount of THC, which what I was going to talk about earlier um, is that a lot of another theory that people have is that she actually ate the weed. She had edibles, and edibles, if they're strong enough, can cause um, like slight psychosis. They like basically they can make you see some shit, or yeah. they can make everything wobbly. Um, yeah. Uh, but they would have been able to tell that she ate it by looking at the contents of her stomach. So I th- that's why I think she smoked it. Yeah. Um, I don't want to focus too hard on the smoking weed part, but only because the the way that weed stays in your system makes it tricky to put a timestamp on when it was actually used. Mm-hmm. So their tests, the police tests are very, very accurate, but that doesn't excuse the fact that she could have been smoking a big old fat Blunsky in the car or she could have smoked the day before. She could have smoked that morning and was no longer under the effects of marijuana. Mm-hmm. They say in the documentary, 15 minutes to an hour. But THC attaches to your fat um, and it can stay in your system for up to 30 days. Wow. So unless they're doing super extensive testing, which they probably were, um, they wouldn't really be able to tell how insanely... Um, accurate it would be like down to the hour i could be wrong but that's just my own personal knowledge if i'm wrong yell at me dude yell at me in the comments uh, i want to know i want to learn that shit so give me some knowledge yeah. um the booze in her system is easy to trace however so all in all the documentary tries to figure out what actually happened with diane and they do a good job of diving into certain things and trying to find answers and put the lid on this painful tragedy once and for all for the people that understand that it was alcohol it's an open and shut case for the people who think it's more than that, the door is still open, or so it was. The family did the family did hire a private detective after years of arguing that Diane wasn't drunk. Um, in the documentary, the family paints the private detective to be sleazy, but it's revealed that the family, mostly Diane's husband Danny, just doesn't want to hear the truth that the detective found. Um, both the detective and the documentary team do tests in the documentary. Um, uh, they have her alcohol levels retested, 
and it's confirmed both times that she was drunk, that she did have THC in her system at the time of the crash. Also, it's important to note that in the documentary, they also had a very famous expert, one of which who I cannot remember the name of, and the true crime community is going to tear me apart because he has worked on a number of famous uh, cases that are huge in the true crime community. Mm -hmm. Specifically, uh, he, he worked on The Staircase, which is a great documentary. I recommend watching it. It's on Netflix. Um, he does say that while the tooth pain concept would normally be worth looking into, nothing will ever change the fact that Diane was intoxicated in driving, period. Yeah. Um, he actually does a good job trying to explain the things to the family, you know, um, but the husband is just so determined to say fuck off and keep giving all these different imaginary reasons um, to any experts that don't go with the ideas that he wants them to go with. Yeah. And that was actually that was actually the hardest part of the documentary for me to watch because I don't want to be mad at this dude, but Danny is just so... I don't know what it is, whether he's angry, whether he doesn't want to be associated with Diane's mistakes, whether he doesn't want her memory to be remembered as a drunk driver. The bottom line is is that she was drunk, bro. She was drunk and she killed a fuck ton of kids and a fuck ton of people and mm -hmm. tore up a bunch of families. And that's something that you have to reconcile with instead of dragging it up over and over again. And uh, just, I don't know. I wouldn't like it, I guess, is what I should say. I feel for the families of the other victims that have to see this documentary and see this dude on the news and, and he's saying that their family's death wasn't caused by this stupid shit that it was caused by. Yeah, um, right. However, something you might like, Jillian. Okay. Um, uh, I just wanted to first talk about that uh, a few lessons ring true throughout this documentary, some that I'm sure that you could agree with. Obviously, don't drive under the influence of anything that's right. going to affect your motor skills. Even the slightest disorientation can lead to terrible consequences. Yeah. Um, yeah. Two, if you're the type of person who holds things in, find a healthy way to let it out. Um, I know you like to play video games, and I like to do boxing. Um, boxing helped me because talking about shit doesn't always do the trick for me. Mm -hmm. So, But we always urge you stank babies to try out therapy. It sounds like a lot of expensive bullshit, but you'd be surprised at how affordable it can be. Your uh, your insurance might even cover it, you know. It's uh um, oof. Uh, people go to school and they study and they learn and they work hard to be able to help us with the things that we don't understand about our own brains. Your brain is a muscle, and like any muscle, it needs restoration and care. So do not be afraid, um, or fall for the stigma of being a pussy because you have a therapist. Um, you're a pussy if you don't have a therapist. How about that? So. <laughs> Go talk to someone, even if even if your mom's got to be your therapist, even if your friend's got to be a therapist. Like, don't, you know, you got to learn to deal with shit on your own, too, and a therapist can help you do that. Um, yeah. And then number three, some good did come out of this accident. In August of 2009, the New York governor, David Patterson, proposed the Child Passenger Protection Act, which makes it a felony to drive while intoxicated if a passenger is under the age of 16. So... You don't just get in normal trouble anymore. You get in felony trouble if you are intoxicated and driving with a minor. Good. Um, and yeah, that's the facts and some opinions on the case of Diane Schuler and the 2009 Taconic State Parkway crash. Just want to give a cautionary heads up to anyone listening while they're driving. Remember that a drink, smoke, or text isn't worth being dead. The insurance payments and funeral arrangements and all the other bullshit your surviving family or friends would have to go through is not worth it. Not in this shit economy, at least. So be a good stank baby. Don't drive drunk. 
um, and enjoy life. Appreciate everyone that you're with because shit like this can happen at any time. You know. I mean, it can happen even if you're not drunk. Roll that, roll that fucking ad, dude. Let's go on a break. I need (laughs) to have something to eat because I'm starving. Yes, queen. Yes, Yes, queen. queen. Let's. See you guys after the ad. See you guys after the ad. Love you. Hey guys, what's fracking? How are you living? I'm hopefully not going to mess the story up right for you. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the. <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed the break. And yes, we have already recorded this part before, <laughs> but I yeah. messed up the story, which is it's okay. literally my trademark. Yeah, it's like tradition here now. It's all good. Hello, like hello. How do we? How do we know it's going to be a good podcast? Jillian has to re-record something. Boom. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys, you know, enjoyed the breakaway from us because we're actually crazy people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I hope you guys um, liked that ad. Was that a nice ad? Did you like it? I thought it sounded good too. Was it's there good. An ad? Thank you. Was Thank you so ad? much. Did you? Our audience, it? our audience, is so our audience is so sweet. They're so adorable. I know it's so nice when they talk back to us. Yeah, like it's great. Right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so this story is from Reddit. <laughs> um, actually posted. On the r slash paranormal subreddit. Spooky. I know. I was there when it happened. Um, Spook. (laughs) So, uh, the user is u slash c-h-l-o-k-y-1. I think that's pronounced shloki, maybe? Shloki one? (laughs) Shlokli-loki? Whatever. (laughs) However you said it. However, you know, however it be like that sometimes. Um, I did message this person and ask them if we could have permission to use the story in our podcast. She said that was totally fine. I just had to, I just had to change a few names. Um, and she also wanted to note that the story is entirely true. Uh, she says, uh, I feel like the experience was, I was also heightened by my fear and emotion as I was just a kid myself. So. Okay. That's cool. I, I like that she says that. Yeah. Um. Everyone here knows, if you've listened in the past to a, one of our ghost stories, that Jillian is more inclined to believe in the ghosts, and I am more inclined to say that was just a stick hitting the window, bro. Chill the fuck out. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, I respect that. I respect that she's like, you know, I just want to say this story is true, but um, maybe some things are a little more heightened or emotionally charged because I was young and it was scary and I feel that and I respect that and I think you're dope and I'm going to go into this story believing every fucking word just for you there we go dude oh, that's, Boom. A little, that's a little loud I don't know what you did in your mic but it was very loud <laughs> Is so, are we good? yeah we're good Okay. <laughs> alright so I am going to be changing OP's name I'm also going to be changing the child's name in this story as well you can also check out the original story for yourself if you'd like to where none of the names are changed but for privacy reasons I think it's a good idea to change names Um, yeah alright and I'm going to be reading this the best I can quote for quote I might like throw in a little bit of my own words here and there but not anything like totally changing the story again you can read it for yourself if you'd like as well uh, follow along if you want yes all right so let's jump right into this hello philip defrank we're doing Boom. it again another one <laughs> we're not gonna stop until philip defranco talks about us on his um youtube channel Boom. he's, he's gonna be like there's some asshole stealing my catchphrase and then yep. we're gonna be like ooh. <laughs> and I, oh, 
<laughs> don't don't sue us, please, Mr. Philip DeFranco. I love your hair. So that should be a reason why you don't sue us. Boom. Boom. All right. So let's. <laughs> roll into this story. It's an amazing story. It's a little long, so just prepare your butts, please. Okay. So, here we go. So, I don't know if anyone's ever going to read this, but I feel like I need to get my story out there. When I tell people this story, they brush it off and say, Oh, well, that's creepy. <laughs> but this event really took a toll on me. Anyways, this is a completely true story. I'll start off with a little introduction. Hi, my name's Jane. I'm 17. Uh, two summers ago, when I was 15 or 16, I worked at an average sleepaway summer camp. I never went to camp when I was a kid, but I did first aid, lifeguard training, and things to be a counselor there. I absolutely loved it. That's why I decided to work there. Get all my volunteer hours, spend the whole summer there, four weeks to be exact. It was right on the water. I thought it was going to be nice. I was Hell wrong. yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> wrong. Everything was okay all right. and absolutely normal until my last week. Of course, it's the last week. It's always the last week. Yeah, always. <laughs> it always is. Every time. So... The last week I worked was Senior Girls Week, which means girls aged 11 to 14 could attend. And all of them, all of the counselors were female. I had a cabin of five girls, two of which were brats, so most of the time was delegated to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. All these girls were 11 to 12. Now, the first two days of camp were fairly normal. I right. had a few homesick, homesick campers at bedtime, but with some positive reinsurance, I got them to sleep. Homesickness with the kid is only ever usually a problem at night, and specifically the first few nights as the kids are adjusting uh, from being away from home. Oh, That's yeah, we've why, all been there. Right. That's why I was so surprised when one of the most independent girls in my cabin, one of my favorites personally, woke me up. By standing in front of me and waiting for me to wake up. Creepy. Just standing um, there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, kid. <laughs> uh, hey, how's it going? What's fracking, bro? <laughs> <laughs> this was on the third night. Now, okay. she tells me that she thinks there's something outside and that she wants to go home. The camp was on an island surrounded by forest. I told her it was probably just an animal. We're outside. It's an animal. That's yeah. what I would think too immediately, right? Yeah. After but, you're done screaming because a demon baby woke you up to say like, oh, hey, I think something's outside. You should come outside with me. Right. So. Okay. No. Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently there is notorious deer and raccoons at the camp very often. <laughs> with some reinsurance, I got her to go back to bed. I didn't think twice about this. I worked there three weeks already it's pretty common to have a kid wake you up now this is where shit starts getting a weird apparently weirder than a child standing in front of you staring at you waiting for you to wake up <laughs> <laughs> the next night night four she does the same thing to wake me up bro she tells, what yeah, right? <laughs> she tells me that she has to go to the bathroom 
which is a little bit of walk away from the cabin, but okay. I go with her. Okay. Obviously. Once we're in yeah. the bathroom, in the light, it was very clear to me that she had wet herself. So I asked her about it, and she said it was just an accident. All That's right. what I tell Tori. That's what I tell Tori whenever I, I pee myself. Sorry, <laughs> just an accident. And she's like, she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, all right. I had <laughs> problems with this. I let her get herself cleaned up and went to one of the camp leaders. I was wondering what I should do about this girl's sleeping bag. So the camp leader, her name was Elmo. Everyone at the camp actually had code names, which is something fun for the kids, I guess. But the girl Sick. in question, her name is Jacqueline. I don't know why I haven't mentioned that yet. So <laughs> Elmo starts to ask the girl wait, some questions. Wait, wait. So, yeah. so the little girl that had to go pee, her name is Jacqueline? Jacqueline. Okay. Elmo okay, is the cool. counselor. Jacqueline yes. is the girl, and uh, I. Jane. Jane was the, the OP. The girl telling the story. Yeah, right. she's the one that we're reading from. Okay, so okay. Jane, Elmo, interesting, and Jacqueline is creepy girl that pees herself. Gotcha. You're right. She has a reason to. Don't worry, we'll get there. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure. I'm sure she's not just pissing on herself for the fun of it. Although there are people that do that. No kink shaming. You know, we're all we're one family We're talking about here. an eleven-year-old. Uh, Please. What? Ew, no. Ew. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, get out. Let's move on before Chris Hansen kicks down my fucking door, dude. I don't. So, Elmo starts to ask this girl some questions. We're still in the bathroom at this point. Okay. I assume it's because this girl was eleven, which is kind of old to be peeing the bed, especially yeah. when she's so independent this far in the week. We never had a problem with going to the bathroom by herself before, so Elmo asks Jacqueline if there's a reason for the accident. And Jacqueline answered that it was because she was scared. She was too scared to move or get out of her sleeping bag. Huh. Elmo asked her what she was afraid of, and Jacqueline said, quote, the man, end quote. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here, dude. Exactly. The man. I'm scared of the man, too. Fuck the man, dude. <laughs> now, I was standing over on the side, listening and chiming in here or there. I'm a believer in ghosts, openly. But at this yeah. moment, I can admit I did not think any of this. The things kids come up with, especially having worked with kids for three weeks, it really wasn't faced. I was not faced at all. Okay. Elmo and Jacqueline, uh, Elmo, El, sorry, Elmo asked Jacqueline which man she was referring, referring to. She couldn't seem to give him a name, but she described him. And this description is terrifying. Get Elmo into asked it. if he was tall. Jacqueline said no. He was average height. Elmo okay. kept trying to joke around with the girl, I guess to try and make her, you know, fears less scary. Yeah. But this girl was not having that shit. It's <laughs> like she was trying to warn us, for real. Like, just how she spoke. Anyway, she tells us over a long period of Q&A that this demon is average heart, not nice. He's a man, but not human. Oh. Cool, fun. Love that. Here for it, honestly. Yeah. She said that she had been that he had been following her and her brother for a long time. 
She told us that one day she was playing in the forest at her grandparents' house, and that's when she met him. He scared her. She ran away from him. She said that he always followed her and that he was always with her when she slept at different places. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, man. I don't like that at all. So, like, she got scared by some creepy hobo. Maybe. Maybe. And he chased her and is following her around. Or. I mean. It could be a demon hobo. (laughs) It could be an actual (laughs) demon hobo. Yeah, so okay. he's just some woodland dude that she she was like hanging out with her brother, and he's like, "Now I'm gonna follow you." And he only appears when she's at when she sleeps at other places. Yeah, Ooh. apparently so. I okay. assume be, like I don't. Of course, I don't know this girl, but in in my opinion, it would probably be the reason that that demon isn't around her in her home is probably because her parents may be religious. Like ah, yeah, it could, could be, I don't could know. Be. You know, yeah. could be a, well. Anyway, let's get streamline. Back to the story. Back to the story. <laughs> yes, back into the story. Honest to God, I should have seen red flags all over that shit, but I didn't. I was tired. Sounded like a kid's nightmare after watching a horror movie or something. Yeah. Whatever. So, after all that, my leader Elmo got this girl to calm down. She was crying as she told us this, and got her back to bed with new sheets and blankets and stuff mm-hmm. she told Jacqueline that our repair guy Shank that's wicked that's the wicked name yeah Shank dude. that's the repair man <laughs> Shank the rep- dude literally okay. you, you could take that two ways Sh- literally stab the repair man <laughs> or like a guy comes up in a repair man suit 20 foot tall <laughs> like about to be cast yeah, so that's either he's from prison, or he's, like, that's, like, a dope gang name he got when he was, like, a motorcycle dude back in the day, but then, like, his dad died, and the last thing his dad was, like, said was, like, yo, stop being in a motorcycle gang and become a repairman, and then he was, like, <laughs> so he's, like, all right, I'll keep the, I'll keep the gang name Shank, but I'll just be a repair guy, and now I'm here, boom, on this island. For All some right, reason. so I'm gonna need someone in our audience to actually make that an actual story. Yes. Thanks. Can someone please find me a repairman named Shank? Get me into contact with a repairman named Shank. We're gonna have him as a guest on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's so. like, what am, what am I doing here? He's like, I. We were thinking you could. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Can you so. just show us your ID so that we can see your real name is Shank, sir. Thank you. <laughs> All That's right. It. So. Uh, the repair guy Shank was going to do some ghost busting for her in the morning, um, make sure everything was okay, blah blah blah. <laughs> uh, I assume that just means he's gonna check around, make sure nobody's in the yeah. vicinity. The so next morning at the counselors' meeting, before the kids are up, I told all my counselor friends about this. I didn't tell all the counselors, just my close personal friends. I didn't want this, what I believe to be funny, ghost story, to get out to the kids because that would not have been good. Kids yeah. take everything seriously, and I didn't think anything of this. Yeah, and it would have grown that, into right. It would have grown into something wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we all laughed about it, shrugged it off, vowed not to tell anyone else what this girl had said. Well, 
just as I wrapped up the story, then another counselor girl named Ace walked into the break room. We didn't like Ace. She was honestly a bitch. But <laughs> we didn't small, we did small talk anyway. Um, then she tells us something that had my whole group shook, sis. Mm-hmm. Ace okay. tells us that later that night, two girls from her cabin, age 13, went out to the bathroom together. As they were coming back from the bathroom, the two campers started to freak out and run. They okay. felt like something was following them. They were Ooh. both crying, apparently, when they got back to Ace's cabin, and Ace had to calm them down, but got them right back to sleep eventually. Okay. Now, that was weird. My friend group and I decided not to tell Ace about my situation because she had a big mouth. And it <laughs> probably wasn't going to be good if it started to go around camp, which, of course, we were trying to avoid. Well, the rest of the day went fine. Completely normal. Near the end of the day, after the campfire, Shank, the repair guy who happens to be an actual ordained minister. Dude, get <laughs> Shank on the phone right now! I need to talk to this guy. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay, invited me, me, Elmo, and Jacqueline into the kitchen. He blesses, he blessed this big bag of salt for us. Now, if, if, if you know anything about paranormal, you know yes. that demons, ghosts, etc. do not like salt. Like, you yeah. do a salt rain to keep yourself protected, you put it at your yes. windows to keep yourself protected, right? Much like the bear circle on Spongebob to protect them from the giant-ass bear fish. Right, right. But with salt. Keep that shit in mind. Okay, yeah, sure. Okay. So, he blessed this big bag of salt for us. Now... He was doing this mostly as a comfort for Jacqueline, as like a joke thing that you would do for a kid to give them reassurance. But yeah. Shank told told okay, <laughs> there's a spelling mistake. But Shank's to- told me to be careful, anyways. Yeah. He didn't like the way the situation was feeling. I just laughed and brushed him off. We. Sp- Spread the salt at the doorways, windows, making line salt so the demon could enter. Well, I thought this would solve our little foolish problem, right? Wrong! (laughs) (laughs) Jacqueline pulls me aside before bedtime and looks at me with the saddest face I've ever seen on a child, ever. And all she says to me is, Ink, that's my code name. Yeah. This isn't going to work. I appreciate it a lot. But the demon likes salt. <laughs> uh, like he just like puts it on fries. Oh my god. Like, dude, imagine imagine you're like, I know about ghosts a little bit. They don't like salt. Let me use the salt. And then the demon's like, oh bro, good shit. Oh yeah. like There's... would you not panic? That's <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd kind of be terrifying. Like, a priest blessed the salt, and then the demon's like, nah, dog, I, I sprinkled that on my fries, cuz. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's like, scary. Oh, and that little girl's just like, oh, no. No, we've been trying this. <laughs> <laughs> this demon likes salt, dude. He's gonna come and eat it, bro. I appreciate the help, but you're amateurs here. I'm a little girl. <laughs> I've been dealing with this for a while now. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so if that wasn't a perfect quote, it was something along those lines. That, I mean, the main point though is our new demon friend likes salt. <laughs> it was at this moment that everything hit me. I don't know why, but I started having panic attack. I didn't a let panic. these kids see though. I told Jacqueline just to try and get some rest, and I slipped out and ran to the kitchen in tears. I begged Shank to let me sleep in the break room and have one of our senior staff members take my cabin over for the night. He hugged me as I cried. I was so freaked out all of a sudden, and I don't know why it had to hit me so hard at once. I was overrun by terror, mm. which I have never felt since. I felt as though something very bad was going to happen. Shane gave me another bag of blessed salt to keep with me. This is all true. I can't make this shit up. And told me I had to sleep in the cabin. I had to protect those kids. And it was, quote, God's plan for me. Mm. Love that. Here for it. Yeah. Reflection, reflecting on this, I think he was just fucking with me. But your bitch was horrified. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jane. She's funny. <laughs> I listened, though. Uh, I listened, though. I clutched my flashlight and the bag of salt as I tried to sleep that night. But I had this ominous, horrific feeling of fear and death looming over me. It was yeah. so creepy. I should note that this camera was just a small room with four sets of bunk beds, um, one on either side of the room, and two windows. One on the okay. back, if you're facing inwards, inwards the door, and one directly next to me. Directly outside the black back window, there was a big tree. So there wasn't much of a view, but you could see clearly out of my window. Okay. It must have been around 2 or 3 a.m. There's no phones allowed or any clocks in the cabin, so I had nothing to tell time uh, or to stare at except for surrounding darkness that sounds fun i'm here for it this <laughs> is when sounds like my life <laughs> really hit the fan Ooh. all the girls in my cabin cabin wow all the <laughs> girls in my cabin completely asleep all inhale a deep breath at the same time and exhale the world ink that's my code name Whoa! So, <laughs> I know. So I whisper back, are you girls awake? I get nothing. After a few minutes of being absolutely petrified. Yeah, I'd have been like, oh, let's go. Everyone up. <laughs> I hear the normal snoring and shuffling and sleeping sounds again. That was the end of the creepiness. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. For me, though. No, 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 no. Next. A while later, I hear the door creak open. There's an outside screen door and an actual inside door. Okay. I had both doors closed. I hear the outer one creaking open. I become Hell. alert immediately. A adrenaline no. is coursing through me. <laughs> I'm looking out my window and at the door, trying to see anything in the pinch of blackness. When I see a black flash to my right, I look over and I see this entirely black being, being 
leaning over one of my girls on the bottom bunk across from me. Yo. As soon as I notice it, I see it reach for the girl's face. Yo. I flicked on my <laughs> flashlight, grabbed the bag of salt, and said, God loves me, God loves me, God loves me. <laughs> over and over again. I shit y'all not. I okay. see this black mass dart towards the door. The door just opens. The inner door. It opens yeah. up wide. And I believe the demon was left. That's okay. crazy, dude. I like that. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. <laughs> I'm here for it, dog. Yeah. I, I still felt absolutely freaked out, but I didn't feel the same weight of terror as before. I did not sleep a wink that night. As soon as I saw the sun start to come up from my window, I darted over to my good friend Marco's cabin. Before I can tell her anything of what I just saw, she tells me that she was woken up in the middle of the night by someone or something breathing heavily outside her window next to her Ew. Bed. Ew. But when she got up to check it out, thinking it was a kid or something, all she saw was a dark figure turning and going into the bushes. She didn't see anything else. She brushed it off as a deer, possibly. Yeah, a deer breathing heavily through your window. Yeah, no, for sure, dude. A creepy, creepy deer, dude. <laughs> the deer's like that deer from freaking Adventure Time. You know that show, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like, with, he takes off his little hooves and he has tiny hands. Yeah, yeah little human hands. <laughs> Very creepy, yeah. He's like, I'm going I'm to bust up in there, dude. You better look out. <laughs> this is why I support Second Amendment rights. <laughs> if any of these girls had a strap on oh wait <laughs> strap strap is in the slang term for gun not st strap on <laughs> um, as in the the sexual device gotcha, this is why Jillian this is why Jillian says no children can listen to this podcast at the beginning of everyone um, if any of these girls had the strap they could have just shot that demon in the face Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I don't know if that would work. Can demons get shot in the face? Um, if you go by, like, sup the TV show Supernatural Rules, if you make, like, special bullets out of salt, they can. Oh, well, then there you go. Just shoot a demon with some salt bullets. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, Second Amendment rights means you can have... I'm pretty sure there are shotgun shells that have salt in it. So, fucking get one of those, strap it up. And shoot a deer in the uh, a deer a demon deer with creepy human hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we imagine this demon looks like a de a deer with creepy human hands. All right, so that's. I just wanted to end. take a I just want to take a moment to say that please do not take a salt shotgun and go shoot deer, <laughs> human hands or not. Don't do that, please. <laughs> thank, thank you. So that's go ahead, not the end, though. <laughs> Even though it was my last night, this was not the day we were supposed to leave. Oh, shit! Marco and I were in the break room, waiting for others to wake up and join us for the morning meeting. Ace comes in and tells us something that made my blood run cold. Despite okay. the fact that I had calmed down from the night's terrors and felt oddly peaceful, she said that she had locked, locked out her window before bed Around midnight, when the moon and stars were lighting shit up, she said that <laughs> she saw a black figure that looked like a person 
leaning against the tree behind my cabin, looking into the window. No. Might I You're mention... Not a... Was it a deer? <laughs> <laughs> Might I mention where she was describing to have seen this figure looking would have been directly facing Jacqueline's bed in our cabin. Ugh. At this point, I decided to tell Ace about everything. I told everyone there... Uh, I told everyone there was too much substantial proof for them not to believe what I was telling them, which was the truth. Yeah. Ace never knew about what Jacqueline told me in Elmo, slash my experience with the demon, and yet she had two experiences of her own, with her rules being followed and seeing something look into my cabin, which seemed to match the description. And Elmo was there when Jacqueline was telling her story about this demon. <sighs> yeah, so everybody there has got some creepy story where they all have seen the same thing. Mm. Okay. Right. All right. When I got home from my week, I vouched to never go back to that camp, yet I felt oddly safe. It didn't feel like the demon had followed me at all, I felt so oddly calm and peaceful in the following days. I told one of my friends who often have spiritual encounters and asked about what he thought. He told me that something had uh, creeped out once again. What? He told me that something had creeped me out once again. Oh, yeah, just like it's a a deer, a raccoon, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. He told me that when I... Oh, no. He... No. Okay, listen. (laughs) <laughs> I told one of my friends who often has spiritual encounters. I asked what he thought. He told me something else that had also creeped me out. Oh, okay, okay. He told me that when I was at camp, the same night I had the encounter with the demon, a spirit told him or showed him something that I was in grave danger. And Ooh. he said that he was praying for me that night repeatedly because he felt a connection to me and that something really bad was going on. He was so shocked to hear my story when I told him. He was positive that I had encountered some kind of demon that had lashed itself onto this girl. I'm still freaked out by this experience today. This was a true story. No part was made up or exaggerated. If you actually read this or are reading this, then let me know what you think. I don't know a lot about the paranormal. Honestly, it scares me, especially now. But please, tell me what you think it was. Or if what I saw and heard could have been a figment of my imagination. I hoped it was, but when I got up in the morning, the door I know had closed the night before was still open after I saw the figure open it and dart out. So I'm pretty sure it was real. Anyway, stay safe, guys. Pray for the girl, Jacqueline. I hope she doesn't have a demon following her. Hmm. From Jane, age 17, Canada. Okay, Jane. Jacqueline has a demon following her, so <laughs> sorry to sorry to break the news to you. But uh, there's no way that thing's an angel. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, so second, like- secondly, I would say, uh, I think it's... I think it's believable if you just go off of the story. I, mm-hmm. I can I can say that, oh, it's believable. Very well told. You did a good job reading it. Um, 
I, th- I liked the fact that it was talked about that other people had similar experiences that adds some belief to it. Right. And then the, but I thought she said that the salt wouldn't work on the demon and then apparently it did or was it the salt and the combined guy praying for her that night probably also the spiritualist praying for her as well because like she's like sitting there with freaking salt and her flashlight she's like god freaking loves me and this guy's over here like praying you know get this damn demon out of here and the Mm. demon's like shit this is too much for me and it darts out okay you know I dig it I give that story a solid 7 out of 10. Very good. That was, it was an amazing story. Both, oh, yeah. You know, it, it was not... I, I did, like, kind of fiddle with the words myself. But, um, like... This is crazy. Like, this girl <laughs> might have this one, ex- like, one example of paranormal her entire life. She might yeah. never ever hear or see another demon again. And yeah. this is it. But then there's people like our last ghost story, who's literally works at uh, Tempers, Tempers Grace is her name, right? Yes. Yeah, she literally works for a paranormal society and he's seen ghost after ghost after ghost and people experiencing it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of it is. A lot of her work is religious uh, based as well. She studies a, a lot of different religions. Yeah. Like say if something's happening with a family that believes in the Muslim or Islamic faith, uh, she st- has studied that religion and understands that religion mm-hmm. uh, so that she can help with the surrounding circumstances yeah. of, a, of a family with that lifestyle. Same as, uh, I don't believe she is a, uh, when we were in school together, she wasn't a Christian. But um, uh, I know she's Wiccan, um, okay. uh, but not yeah. like in the not like the cringy internet meme way, <laughs> in like the le- in like the legitimate like respects and believes in nature. But I also do believe that um, dealing with the paranormal stuff has like made her have more faith in uh, the Christian religion because she's seen yeah. what others' faith can do with it. So yeah, that's pretty I cool mean, too. Like it's just crazy to me because like I me. I think I think I believe this story. If like if I were trying to get it across that a story is true, I would literally say it a million times that it's true. If I yeah. if I were like lying trying to say it was true, I wouldn't say that it's true as many times. I've seen yeah. examples of that as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. Makes so, sense. I think there's a lot of examples of creepy stuff happening of course and uh, some of them are fake some of them are real and i think i i want to believe that this is a real one because yeah why not like a demon attaching itself to a little girl like i don't know crazy yeah crazy to think about for sure dude for sure All all right so i know you're you guys are spooked out and are gonna cry but I think it's time to roll the outro. Just wanted to remind you, though, to make sure you check out our social media platforms and Anchor and Spotify and make sure you look us up and everything. But, Nick, dude. Yes. Let's roll this outro, bro. Dude, do it up. Do it up. 
Gang, gang. Bye, bye. Thank you for listening to episode eight of the Stank Space podcast. We hope you've enjoyed and that you'll like, subscribe, share, and check out the links in our description containing our research and social media pages. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, I hope you guys become a member of the Snake Baby Army and check us out on our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and listen to us on Spotify so that we can make some monies to keep bringing the quality of this podcast up, dude. Um, and, you know, I uh, just want to give a little shout-out to Inc. Come on the podcast bring Ghostbuster Repairman Ordained Minister Shank and some of that uh, Magic Jesus salt. And if you're coming from New York, remember to keep an eye out for vans going the wrong way on the highway. Bye, guys. Love you. Bye, 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 bye.